This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. It's funny how some people find themselves in West Virginia. Most of the people we've interviewed and spoken with, of course, were born and raised in this great state. But today, we talk with someone we're declaring an honorary West Virginian for the work he's doing to shed light on our home. John Miller is a Belgian writer, journalist, and filmmaker. And his credentials? Well, they speak for themselves. He has over two decades of experience reporting from six continents in 45 countries. He spent the large part of his career working for the Wall Street Journal, so what's his connection to West Virginia? While covering another story in the great state of West Virginia, Moundsville piqued John's interest. So he decided to direct a film entitled Moundsville, which originally aired on PBS. In it, he spotlights the town and its struggle to bounce back after several prosperous years shipping out steel, coal, glass, and toys during the region's heyday. But in the big picture, Moundsville also represents what many small towns across the country are experiencing. And he provides an honest take. Obviously, he's a guy that didn't grow up in the Mountain State, but he still sees potential in this region now that he has been able to kind of see what it's like and meet the people and check out what this place has to offer. So a bit of a different story that we're telling today, but it is still so, so valuable to get his outsider perspective. So, hey, let's get to it. Mace, hit the music. The uh, sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host CJ. What's up CJ? Good to see you again, as always. And John Miller. What's up, John? Hey guys, great to be here. Thank you for jumping on. We can always uh, appreciate when people take time out of their busy schedules to bullshit really with us about West Virginia and hopefully tell good stories about the great state uh, that's almost heaven. And storytelling, I think, is, you know, I'll go ahead and say that seems like a core part of your life in many different you know capacities. Um, but specifically, I think maybe let's just start with the recent project of Mounds, Moundsville. And it's actually pretty cool for me because my entire mom's side of my family is from Moundsville. So they grew up there for really since like the 1940s in the McMeckin, Wheeling, Moundsville, Glendale, whole area, part of the state. So a lot of rich West Virginia history there. But maybe even before we get to that, let's, we were talking a little bit before the episode, you're originally from Belgium. So talk to us about how, how the hell you ended up in, you know, telling stories about Moundsville. Well, believe it or not, they, they do connect. Um, so the origin story is my parents, they're from Maryland and they moved to Belgium in the 70s. My joke is they fled the terror of the Ford administration. Um, <laughs> but the truth is that they, they were just hippies. They were backpacking through Europe. They're both musicians. My dad got a job as a piano player. They dropped an anchor. They had six kids. We all grew up speaking French and English. So for us, America was like this, you know, land of uh, the ancestral land. It was the, the, sure. the place my parents came from. I was always very fascinated by it. I love baseball. I love Broadway musicals. It was like a place 
that I sort of knew a little bit about, but not a lot. So I moved to Pittsburgh in 2011 with the Wall Street Journal. I was a reporter for 13 years there. And, you know, Pittsburgh is basically in West Virginia. I mean, it's very close. And I really uh, initially fell in love with West Virginia through music. I, like I said, my parents are musicians. I never played music until I moved to Appalachia and started playing Clawhammer banjo and the <laughs> collegiality. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but I grew up, my dad played opera and music always scared me. And so Appalachian old time, West Virginia was the first time where people were like, it doesn't matter if you're not good, just play. And like, you know, join the the, the square dance. Like, and so I got a banjo and I started joining these jams where you sit on the outside and just strum along and little by little started playing a lot. And started going to this festival, the Appalachian String Festival in Clifftop and near Fayetteville, which is an incredible experience for anybody who's not been. You guys been? I have no. no. Oh, imagine like a 4,000 uh, person festival. Nobody's watching. Everybody's playing. You walk through the woods at three in the morning, music coming out of every part of the woods. You can uh, you know, wake up next to a guy who's the best fiddle player in the world. And at two in the morning, you've had a few beers. He's like, you want to play a tune with me? And it's like you play pickup basketball with LeBron James. Like nobody, there's no other <laughs> sphere of life where it does it. So the kind of like the, the authentic human relationships really drew me in. Uh, in uh, Appalachian, West Virginia music. So Moundsville, I was assigned to go cover to a story in Nitro, West Virginia for the Wall Street Journal. And I was driving back and I saw a sign that said uh, Native or Burial Mound. I was like, I don't know anything about this. It's pretty interesting. So I pulled off and I, and I saw a sign that said Paranormal Hot Dog Stand. And I met a guy named, <laughs> named Steve Hummel, who's in the, the Moundsville film. And Steve had wanted to be a Navy SEAL. That hadn't worked out. He had wanted to open a gym. That hadn't worked out. He had opened this hot dog parlor. That wasn't working out. So he put some old spooky ghost stuff and called it a, a paranormal hot dog parlor. And that was working. So he was just like this really interesting, fun, appealing guy who was hustling. And I did a story about him on the front page of the Wall Street Journal about Moundsville. OK, then uh, the 2016 election happens. and Everybody's talking about like these Rust Belt towns and Trump. And I was like mm -hmm. very frustrated by just the lack of attention to people in these places, like people are being defined by their national politics. And at the same time, I had my own, I turned 40 and I kind of burned out of the journal. So I left by choice. I quit. And I thought, what could I do about America that would be like representative of America and that would sort of transcend the politics and help reunite people around a shared story that everybody could agree was true. And I thought, wow, Moundsville is so archetypical because it has this tie to the deep past, the Native America it had this incredible industrial uh, period that made the world's um, had the world's biggest toy factory. They made rock'em sock'em robots, mm -hmm. and now it looks so archetypical. It's got a Walmart and it's got a hospital and a regional jail. It's got that that main street with a few craft stores. Like it just looks like every town in America that every American's been to. And I met a filmmaker uh, named Dave Bernabo, and we spent a year going there, found the people you see in the movie, and put it together without a voiceover, without any academics. And it's very much what I wanted: the, the oral history, the people telling their own story with not a word about Trump, not a word about opioids, a little bit about coal, uh, but basically like stories about the town and how it has lived over time and people's work lives. So uh, we got a very nice review from Jim Fallows in the Atlantic, PBS picked it up. And now with West Virginia being in the news again, I thought it's a good time to kind of push it again. So I've been sending it around to more journalists and trying to talk about it some more. Gotcha. We were wondering like, why has this recent uh, push of new, you know, uh, attention been going on because it's been out since 2020, but you know, again, now that you said West Virginia is in the politics, was there like something going on in particular, uh, just Joe Manchin or what is it? Yeah. And he's been, and you were like, Oh, you know what, let's try this again. Let's see if, if people. Yeah. Well, one was Joe Manchin. The other was just the nature of a very small independent documentary that got done by two guys. We had one round where we got one around and we screened it at um, schools and museums and 
uh, you know, screen it online. Then we had a second round around PBS and getting it nationally. And then this third mm-hmm. round is like, okay, well, who can I send it to personally? You know, I've exhausted all these things. Cause again, this is like a, a two man operation and uh, we're basically hustling. So it's like the third round, right? I do a more personal pitch to people. Right. Well, I, I like it for a few reasons, John, because I, one of my biggest things that I say with like when it comes to West Virginia, CG and I are born and raised West Virginians, is that West Virginia, as you just mentioned, it gets in the national news a lot. Right. And there, it's almost the same. And our listeners have heard me say this theory before, but the Florida man theory of like the big national media can repeat a story about Florida by just saying Florida man does something crazy and knowing that it draws attention to it. It's cut easy to do simple plug and play method. I think West Virginia often falls into that, too. Right. You can say something about poverty, poverty, porn, drugs, obesity, something like that. National media picks it up and it runs it. And then us West Virginians, we look out and we, we see those stories. And I think it has a, a detrimental effect of internalizing some of these issues. And not to say that we just, oh, like, look away from them and they're not there. But I think it's almost like our history gets told to us by outsiders that don't come here and actually experience it. So I like that you took the approach of like, this is just two people looking and trying to find stories about people in West Virginia. When you filmed it and you went through it, did you find any preconceived notions that you maybe have had or biases or something that maybe surprised you or that was a little bit different as you built the documentary? Yeah, I mean, in, in a way, you know, Dave and I are, are outsiders, of course, but we, by giving the voice to people in the movie, hope that it's mainly for them. And we premiered in the town itself. We uh, mm-hmm. premiered at the Strand, mm-hmm. old opera house built in 1921. Oh, that's cool. Um, I think my biggest preconception that I, I found wrong was that I'd imagine that that side of the Ohio River, I thought, you know, it's really industrial. It's got coal, it's got steel, it's got glass, all this stuff. The truth is like the diversity of, of the economy uh, in, the, in the old days, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s was incredible. And they made toys, they made shirts, they made shoes, they made all along the Ohio River. It was like, you know, Manchester in 1890 or, or, or uh, Shanghai, China today, like it was a complete sort of supply chain. And that way, America or West Virginia is very representative of America and, and Americans have they kind of otherized it. And I think it's very representative of America. I mean, it was founded as a counter to to slavery in the 1860s. It was very industrial. Wheeling was the capital in the beginning. And it was basically part of this nexus of Pittsburgh, Wheeling, uh, very industrial and Northeastern capitalism part part of America. Um, And so again, the the diversity of the economy. And, um, you know, I've also learned that every town has people very keen on telling their history. In Moundsville, it's Gary Ritter, but every town has this kind of the local historian type. And I, what I found is with the decline of local journalism in a lot of towns, people don't know their own history and, and they, they do need help kind of getting it out there. And I think the more that people can agree about their local history, the less division there is over, over national politics. Cooper, breaking news. Mr. B was named the best West Virginia made food product. I know you big potato chip guy. So this was like uh, this this certainly was something that you were paying attention to. Does not surprise me one bit. Mr. B chips is the only chip that I actually consume. So it's a delicious chip and I <laughs> oh, will- Oh, no way. I, I was no, voted, there's no way that that's the only potato chip that you- It is. I'm a loyal <laughs> fan of Mr. B because of the incredible entrepreneurship, philanthropy efforts from Marianne Kettleson, the CEO of Mr. B chips. And it's a, look, she makes an incredible chip. Why not make it exclusive to my diet to have uh, Mr. B chips? 
you know what though i can picture you sitting down at a restaurant and like the sandwich comes out and then they're like do you like chips or fries and you're like pass i've got my own and then you just bust open potato chips and just use that instead but it is pretty incredible they've got all these different flavors original sour cream and onion barbecue honey barbecue dip style cheddar sour cream jalapeno salt and vinegar they even get the potato stick style like the thin little potato chip styles do you have like a favorite that you go to i would say barbecue honey barbecue but uh what what about you do you have a favorite barbecue is a staple definitely but you can't really miss with the original if you're at a barbecue if you're at a cookout if you're playing golf i will throw those in my bag uh they're guaranteed to be people's uh, favorite little chip little uh snack that they have so i'm more of a classics i like to play the classics barbecue and original yeah i, I like i i really cannot just get into like the all the other little flavors like i, I don't know like jalapeno man i, I don't know I'm, I'm still working my taste buds but Mr. B, definitely a great product. So, I, you know, we'll, it, I'll be willing to give it a try, I guess. MrB.com, Marion Kettleson. She's an incredible lady. They make the Mountaineer Media Podcast possible. Thank you to them. Support them. They're a West Virginia company. And go to MrB.com and show your love to them as well. I think you bring up such a, <clears throat> excuse me, a great point there too, that people may not, not even quite understand that West Virginia was a huge part of the supply chain, you know, going back 30, 40, 50 years ago. And in Moundsville in particular, I thought was interesting because parts of West Virginia known for steel, other for coal, but it was like Moundsville was kind of a collection of all of these um, glass, steel, coal, and was kind of like a centerpiece almost of, of what West Virginia was. Now that you've seen what Moundsville is today and you had, you've seen, you know, or heard and seen pictures of what it once was, do the people there now kind of feel like it's going in a direction that is positive? Because it seems like that, what Moundsville was experiencing is being experienced all over the state. And for whatever reason, it, it seems like West Virginia is taking so long to kind of catch back up with the rest of the country and the world. Like, okay, the United States 60 years ago was very different looking than it is now, but West Virginia seems to be shades of what that era once was and for whatever reason West Virginia is taking so long to get back up caught back up do you think that Moundsville was going in the right direction and maybe that can ultimately become the direction that West Virginia as a whole is going in I know that's a very specific question but my favorite saying as a journalist is a lot of things are true at the same time and I think there, one reason I wanted to make the film was I wanted to really capture the grief and I know it sounds like a big word but you know there really were communities that were tighter and there was a prosperity that was real and, and should not be kind of dismissed as like, oh, your factory's closed, you know, tough shit. Like, no, this was a huge deal yeah. to lose the economic heart of a place. And look at Moundsville, like Moundsville had the, the Mark's Toy Factory. So that meant like you had a hundred families or a hundred people who like did design. That's a hundred artists who, who sponsored museums, who went to plays, like the, the not just the, the intellectual capital, but the creative heart of places was ripped out from them. So in some ways, like, you know, things aren't going back. And so, and, and in a certain way, they're not going to recover. Like those factories in, in our lifetime, they're, they're not going to have manufacturing because there's not the labor force. People and the populations are aging. So like, and by, by reckoning with the reality of it, the grief, I hope that then you can move forward with something different. And that's something different is, uh, you know, a lot more tech. It's a lot more uh, tourism. It's, it's young people starting businesses. They look a lot different than before. And in our film, we have this small factory that makes kitchen cabinets. And that's like 15 people or 12, 14 people. 
and it has a bunch of robots. And so it's not like the old days where you can right. 300, 400. No, it's a yeah. different kind of economy. So, I mean, the, the, but it's, it's not like, I wanted to show too that this is not like, like hell, like you can have a good life in, in any town, in a place like this. Like there are good people, you can have a good life, populations aging. Like, again, you can't avoid, that's the truth. Like you can't pretend that's not true. And so there are people doing stuff and, and, and they're building something else. And, and it's different in the past and going back to the past isn't, isn't possible as, as the, the mound and mounds will reminds you like civilizations ebb and flow and people, you know, things change. Uh, but there is life and there, there's a good life for people in, the, in these towns. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Cooper, let me, let me kind of ask you this too. And John, don't, I hope you don't take any offense to this. Uh, you're definitely an honorary West Virginian for your work. But Cooper, <laughs> don't you feel like sometimes it takes somebody outside of West Virginia to kind of shed light on what's going on? Like what th- that, and it kind of brings you like, uh, you know, a, a little joy almost, but clarifies it a little bit too. Like what John just said, like you can have a happy life. You can have a good life in a place like Moundsville. It's easy to, maybe write off these small towns, but when, you know, it kind of takes somebody like that to, to tell you like, no, this is not as bad as maybe you think. Is it, yeah. Kinda- yeah. No, I mean, I, I think so. Because I think a lot of the times when you're here, like I was saying, you internalize a lot of it. It's hard to, whatever the saying is, like see the like forge for the trees. I probably said it backwards. Um, you know, it's hard when you're so close to it. It's hard to kind of step back and get a, a different perspective. But I mean, John's also a world-class storyteller. So maybe that makes yeah, sense exactly. why, why it's easy to follow yeah. along with his logic. But also, John, you brought up a good point was that what I think often falls trap into West Virginia is that, like you said about the past and like, I love that like kind of analogy you had like with the mound is that civilizations move on is that a lot of small town folks um, that are in a place that used to be booming, always long and romanticize the past and like like almost just it becomes just a casual conversation piece when you're talking with family and friends to say like remember back when this was here this and that and if only they did xyz and you know they create the the they the the classic they of whoever they is like did something to the region or the area or the job base and you get stuck in this pattern of longing for what things used to be instead of fully embracing and kind of looking hey wait a second that is kind of a cool tech startup down the street why don't we identify with that why don't we embrace that why don't we run with that i think small towns all over america kind of get stuck in that over romanization of what things were and and wishing it was and the reality is life goes on things change and if you're going to grow and be a dynamic region economy state culture people you have to be i mean it's classic saying you have to be comfortable with the change so i like that you pointed that out and at least you could see it with the people i think maybe we're just in that awkward transitional few decades and maybe we get there but at least the people in the moment are kind of struggling with that concept and, you know, when I said West Virginia is a window into America, it's particularly true when you try to look at the, the effects of capitalism. And, you know, for better or for worse, it's a system that this country has chosen. Now, it's often a good system and it's uh, incentivized people to make products that are good, but it's not perfect. And it has these cycles. And you really see it in a place like Moundsville, where you had this like this toy factory, for example, for, for 40, 50 years, they made like these toys people wanted, like the Rock'em Sock'em robots and the big wheel and these, you know, little train sets. Um, and then at one point in the 80s, like kids started playing video games, uh, people wanted cheaper toys, like the market changed, and they had to close the factory. Now, was it anybody's fault? Was there any one single big bad politician the point who said that guy screwed us? I don't think so. I think it's the cycles of capitalism. And yeah. that's, you know, you, you can't, you, you, uh, Moundsville is not Silicon Valley. They weren't making Ataris or, or video games in Moundsville. And so, you know, 2000 people lost their jobs. Like, it's really sad. But it's, it's not really anybody's fault in the classic sense of this guy screwed us. Right. Yeah. 
Right. And that's hard for people, I think, to wrap their head around because we want as humans, I think we want like monsters. We want to be able to identify like the threat. Right. We want to know what's out there. And I think it's you just like I think folks and then over time, you just you pick a, a thing to kind of blame it on instead of just saying, well, I mean, that's just kind of how kind of how things work. Um, it's twofold there. Right. You can pick that to try and challenge yourself to get better. Or the opposite of that is you pick that that monster and then you just let it beat you. And unfortunately, I think as West Virginians, we've kind of just let others, Sometimes we, we've yeah. said that others have beaten us. And so it's sometimes it's like, well, did we really try and change through, through some or, of those difficult years? I don't yeah. you know. I, I've only been around 27 years, so I can't say I can only speak <laughs> for what I've necessarily seen now. And I definitely think West Virginia is going on a different trajectory, a, a trajectory that's going up and getting back to where we once were in a more positive space. I, you know, I can't speak for what my parents went through, but you know, sometimes it's, it's easy to just let things beat you without really trying to get back up and, and go back and fight that or, or whatever it is or overcome that issue. And CJ, if you were going to look for a job in West Virginia, what website would you go to? Um, I ca- I've got a guess. Are you going to tell me what website I should go to? If I was looking for a job, CJ, you know what I would do? I would go to beamountaineer.com. That's beamountaineer.com. And at that website, CJ, you're going to find Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Why don't you tell our listeners about Mountaineer Employment Solutions? I was going to say beamountaineer.com. That was my answer, Cooper, to answer your first question. That was going to be my answer. But yeah, there's no doubt. Mountaineer Employment Solutions, if you are looking for a job in the state of West Virginia, that has got to be your first and only stop. It probably will be your only stop if it's your first stop because these guys are the premier talent acquisition and staffing leader in the state of West Virginia. They serve businesses and job seekers across the state and beyond from their offices in Charleston and Morgantown. So if you're looking for a job, they can hook you up. If you are looking, if you're a business and you need some extra employees, they can help you out with staffing as well. So dude, it's a one-stop shop. If you need help or if you're looking for a job, boom, beamountaineer.com. Go to those guys, Cooper. So fun fact, my, I think a great relative of mine, you mentioned the Strand, the, the Opera House Theater thing, a great relative of mine helped to build that. And actually my grandmother worked in the penitentiary for like 25 years in the library. Like, you know, lady grew up in 1940 in McMechan, which was like about 20 minutes from Moundsville in a coal camp, like literally classic West Virginia coal mining family. They paid you in fake money. Her, you know, relative dad, you know, all that work in the mines. They moved over to Moundsville. She worked in the prison for for 25 years. Um, And a really quick fun story, too, is that one, I think it was just in the 70s, my mom was out, you know, like they're just living life in Moundsville. If you know Moundsville, the prison is like literally it's like house, 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 giant prison like right right there like right in the middle of it and there there was a prison break and a ton of uh prisoners escaped and they were running all through the town and whatnot and um but everybody in Moundsville kind of was almost used to I guess it happened on somewhat of a a regular basis and my mom remembers saying that no one really kind of freaked out about it It was kind of just like oh yeah that a couple dozen of them got out or something like that um and they they actually they actually used to John Marshall High School in Moundsville Mm -hmm. they used to go into the prison and scrimmage the inmates playing basketball like my uncles would go into the prison and they're like yeah we would just play pickup games against like murderers that were in in this prison we would just we were like 18 years old we would just play inside the prison play basketball with them so do you think they called their own fouls you think they called their own fouls or do you think uh you (laughs) you just take it right (laughs) 
Whatever prison rules are, I'd go with the prison rules as well. (laughs) (laughs) I've written about that on the uh, the blog, moundsville.org, by the way. I started Mm -hmm. it just to promote the film, but I found myself so fascinated and so overwhelmed with stories that I hadn't told in the film that I started writing in the blog. And it's gotten over, last year, I got over 100,000 views. And I did a piece about how in the 50s, they would go watch, people go watch prison baseball there. And I can't, there's lots of stories like that. I'm glad you brought that up because- at the same time, there's like this cruelty to that story. Like there's the really small cells and there's the hangings they had there until the thirties and there's yeah. an electric chair. At the same time, there's a humanity, a shared humanity that was in that town where prisoners would like yell out the window and there'd be like socialization almost. And mm-hmm. they would go and they would clean up the mound, the burial mound, which is across the street from the prison. And so, yeah, it was integrated in the, into the community in a way that kind of makes me you know, warms my heart because it, there was a shared humanity that, you know, people who had made a mistake and were paying the price could still be people in this context. Yeah. yeah that's I, interesting. Yeah. I do want to ask you a question about the documentary. Um, great, great work, by the way, I don't want to spoil for people go check it out. Um, but you really don't get much into the penitentiary. It really is only a small portion of it. It really is about the history of Moundsville and its people. Why did you choose to do that? And, you know, just kind of go from there. Why did you choose to almost limit? And that could have been an entire hour's worth of talk about the penitentiary, but you chose not to do that. Was that on purpose, I guess? Yeah, I mean, just an overwhelming amount of material. Um, the, the penitentiary is very famous in movies. I mean, it's in um, For sure. Night, Night of the Hunter, Fool's Parade, uh, Mind Hunter, I think, all these mm-hmm. modern films. Um, and... Uh, there was a lot of material <laughs> I had to cut it down. Yeah. So we have, uh, um, you know, the, it's sort of epic that uh, Charles Manson's mom was there, very famous uh, socialist candidate for president. Eugene Debs was there for a while. People go there to hunt ghosts a lot. Uh, it has, and it's this beautiful, incredible building. So rightly so, they're making really good use of it. And there's two people who are uh, interviewed in the film who run the penitentiary. So mm-hmm. Uh, the woman at the end, I forget her name, but uh, is the director. And then is Tom Stiles, I think the guy's name is a uh, director. So even, even if uh, they're not talking about the penitentiary, they, they are the people who run it. So it's still in there in ways that maybe are, are a, little, a little subtle. Love it, but, you, but you're right. But you're right. You can make a whole film just about the pen for sure. And they, it, by the way, it closed in 1995. One thing that's not in the film that people talk about a lot when they break up Moundsville is like they tell a story about how Moundsville had a choice between the having mm-hmm. the University of West Virginia or the prison, and they chose the prison. I'm not sure that's true. I'm not saying it's not true, but I have heard people say that's an urban myth, by the way. I was so, going to say, I was going to bring that up if that, <laughs> if you found out if that was true or not, because I've, tell I us have your heard side. that. What is your, what have you heard that kind of suggested otherwise, John? Oh, I mean, it, the, just that it was an urban myth. I mean, that, um, you know, one thing that's really neat about research now is that you can go on newspapers.com Mm-hmm. And, and look up uh, articles from the 19th century. And so I, I think I did that. And I read about the found, founding of the university and it was always going to be in, in Morgantown. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, or, I definitely heard that rumor. Or, 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 or in <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Myth would you, would you spend a night, John, in the penitentiary by yourself? Yes or no? <laughs> sure. You know, funny story. Dave and I went, went to visit and we got um asked to go to a certain place and then we got lost and we were like <laughs> you know screw it like we're not supposed to be here but we're just gonna wander yeah and it's crazy like what stuff's still there like there's still like a dentist chair with like dentist equipment i mean this place closed like 
wow. you know, 25 years ago mm-hmm. and all that stuff, <laughs> that stuff is still just there. Like, you know, people's clothes, like prisoners stuff, you know, yeah. and it, you know, they closed for a reason. Like the cells were like really small. And, and again, the, the, you know, cruelty of it is really extreme. And so, you know, Americans like to romanticize prisons. I, I think, I think it's a little bit, I mean, it's just spooky. It's, and so the, the, the haunted house stuff there is really fun and, and they do like a lot of fun stuff. I've been to that, by the way, the haunted house okay. stuff where like live people come and grab you, which yeah, you know, <laughs> not everybody's got, <laughs> if you have a heart, if you have a heart in stomach, like don't go to that. Yeah. yeah not everybody can stomach. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks, it looks like if you could imagine in your mind, what like a big, scary, like prison from the late 1800s looks like, like it's castle. exactly, it's exactly Perfect. what you think it looks like. I mean, it's like, there is a story. If you remember CJ in the movie where um, the woman's talking about the prisoners uh, yelling about her ice cream choices. Oh, and she's walking outside and they're like, what flavor are you getting? And so again, but that's still the shared humanity, I think, as opposed to now where prisoners are just like, we never see them. They're locked up uh, far from people. Wow. Where can people, just so people listen, where where do they get it right now? Like, where's the easiest place to to Uh, watch that? Just pbs.org. pbs.org. Yeah, can you watch it directly from moundsville.org? You can. There's uh, yeah. you have to pay. There's like four dollars to rent and like yeah. six dollars to own. And but that, that is a longer version. So if you want the director's cut, which is 74 gotcha. minutes, that's on moundsville.org. But it's for free on, on pbs.org. That's the 57 minutes. And that's on Roku, whatever apps you have too, mm-hmm. you can watch it that way. Cooper, are you looking to buy or sell a home in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties right now? I'm not, but I might know somebody who is. CJ, what should they do? Yeah, so look, this is as easy as it gets. You're going to skip on over to buildingappalachia.com because they are going to be able to help you out if you're looking to buy or sell in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties. Those guys at Building Appalachia are great. So you just head over to their website, and then there's literally a link. I'm looking at it right now. It says, we buy houses in West Virginia. We sell houses in West Virginia. And you can click the tab, sell a home, buy a home. Easy as that, easy as that. And then you're going to get a call from those guys. They're going to want to come check the place out. They're going to give you a cash offer. So man, if you need cash trying to sell a property, dude, they, they'll have it to you. And, and, and these guys at Building Appalachia, just uh, they've got it figured out. Jordan and Jacob, we had them on the podcast. You heard their story. You know their mission of trying to make West Virginia a better place to live and work. No hidden fees, no commissions. Call Building Appalachia at 304-881-8487 or go to buildingappalachia.com. The link is in our bio and all of our social media. Get connected with them to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in Southern West Virginia. Gotcha. So now that you have you know, that the documentary aired a couple of years ago, but you've talked a little bit about moundsville.org and you continue to share stories that you didn't get to share through the documentary. Why has this fascination continued? Because I think the questions about America continue and the questions about West Virginia continue and that Americans really, again, remain distracted by these things that happened yesterday, as opposed to looking at the totality of the past. And I think the more we look at what actually happened in the past, the more we can find common ground politically. So I do feel like, you know, tilting at windmills sometimes, but I'm also just like intellectually just really interested in the place where I live, frankly. Like, I mean, I live in Pittsburgh and yeah. I still go to, I go to West Virginia a lot. And, and a lot of these people are my, my friends now. And so I just like keeping up with them. I feel like I owe them something after having done the film and having relied on their kindness. Like I owe them as much, you know, goodwill and, and promotion, frankly, because the movie is not, 
a promotional movie. And, and you know, we premiered in the town. We got 170 people came out. And most of them liked it that first night. And, the, and subsequently, I mean, there is there are people who don't like that we talked. We had Gene Saunders, the only African-American mayor, talking about segregation in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And so there are parts of it that are people like, well, wh- why did you make it look bad like that? But I mean, most people do like it. But again, it, it's not, uh, I want it to be nuanced. Like, it's not like a, right. a movie that says, look how great Moundsville is. It says a lot of things have happened and the picture's complicated and they're doing their best. But I think it's optimistic towards the end of the film. But anyway, my point being that after having done that, I would like to help Moundsville. And so I published like a list of 10 things to do and like uh, made a schedule for a day trip. People want to go visit. I promote it as much as I can. Um, and then as a writer, I just like having a place to put, you know, interesting things. And so, for example, I was out West uh, three weeks ago and I picked up a biography or a memoir, autobiography by Jerry West, the great mm-hmm. uh, NBA basketball player who's from, I don't have to pronounce this, but Chelian, West Virginia. Chilean. Chilean, tiny town. Chilean. Yeah. And so I, I wrote a piece and published it Sunday night. It's got over a few thousand views already. And what's incredible about West Virginia is I put it on Facebook and all these people who know him are like, oh, I played against Jerry in high school. Yeah. He's yeah. my, you know, he's my cousin. And so I love that about the state too, that it's less than 2 million people. So it's basically a big city spread out over a bunch of hills. Mm-hmm. So I love that like kind of close human connection. I, I find that very endearing at a time when Americans especially love to move and be far away from each other. Like West Virginians, still like to be close to each other in some ways. And I think that's a great redeeming you know, quality about the state. It is true. I mean, it's, it's West Virginia. Someone said it's like perfect. It's like, it's big enough to like have opportunity, but small enough to where you could almost like know everybody. And that's kind of like the perfect description of West Virginia. Um, and part of our goal with, with the, with storytelling interviewing, you know, incredible West Virginians just to be like, Hey, like there's been some, obviously some big names or celebrities, Steve Harvey, Jennifer Gardner, the Brad Paisley, these people that have come there, but also there's some figures that we've like, you know, the, the person who runs Northrop Grumman, the largest defense contract in the world, West Bush from West Virginia, John Chambers, of course, Brad Smith, like people that are accomplished or from the state. Sometimes I think we just, we bypass or don't look at it, but then it is cool when you get, you post something, it's like, Oh, wow, that person knows this person. And it's almost like two or three people away. You can find somebody who knows somebody in West Virginia, which is, which is a beautiful thing. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to be that connected. Cause I don't know any other state where it's like, I mean, do all Ohioans feel that way? Or like, I don't know. I, I would guess not, not to slander Rhode Ohio, Island, but like do Rhode <laughs> Islands feel that way. I don't know. Yeah. Like, but I don't know what the hell's going on in the road. They can't like speak on behalf of Rhode <laughs> Island, but West Virginians can almost like, we can like speak on behalf of West Virginia when we're out in the world. And I just, to me, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, George Brett, the baseball player, was born in mm-hmm. Moundsville. Yep. So Brad mm-hmm. Paisley was born in, in Glendale. I mean, Glendale. Um, in my right mind, it, it feels like the same place, but I get I get so much shit if I ever write, oh, he's from Moundsville because no, it's Glendale. It's yeah. like yeah. one stop sign away. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're like yeah. in the high school, the Moundsville High School is in Glendale. So there's all these mm-hmm. ways in which I don't know the hospital or the hospital is, but all these ways in which it kind of combines um, Lady Gaga's mom, so her grandmother yep. uh, lived there, and the mom grew up there, Cynthia Richard, and then moved, uh, went to Morgantown, WVU, then went to New York, and had Stephanie Germanata, Lady Gaga, but she comes back to visit sometimes, and people have lots of stories about her coming back to Wheeling, that area, to visit uh, her mom, and so, yeah, connections to the world, and, and I think that's really important to celebrate that West Virginia is, like, connected in ways, it's still, you know, part of America, it's not like this other place. That's such it. a great way to put it. Reasons to celebrate. I think that's what West Virginians are always looking for, right? Reasons to celebrate why West Virginia should be known or should be remembered. I think that's a, a great way to kind of summarize that and put that up. 
Um, was there a story talking more about Moundsville that just hit so hard to you or that you take away and can remember vivid details of, or one in particular that kind of just caught your attention more so than others maybe? Yeah, there is. Um, I'm going to uh, look this up because I, yeah. I, I could get the details right. So there's a glassmaker in town whose um, name is Fred Wilkerson Jr. And Fred's dad, Fred Wilkerson Sr., worked at the Fostoria Glass, one of the big corporate glassmakers. They employed like a thousand people and was like a big global glassmaker. So they closed mm -hmm. around 1980. So this guy, he gets laid off. He's like, well, I love making glass. He opens his little artisanal shop and his son starts working in the glass shop. So now it's a two-man thing and they make glass for people all over the country. They sell it online. And it's a pretty heavy industrial thing. Like they have a big furnace. Like it's, you know, you would kill your, I would kill myself trying to make glass in this furnace. Like it deals with explosion. You know, it's like really intense industrial, but he loves his craft. And I just, you know, love that story because the economics of, you know, the corporate part didn't work out, at, but he didn't let that stop him from his vocation, which is making glass. And so it's just, there's really sweet, you know, beautiful people who really believe in, in what they were put on this earth to do, which was make glass and, and didn't like, and took the punch. Like we're like, you know, didn't roll over and, and, and you know, uh, spend the rest of their, their days uh, moaning about how they got screwed, which they had, frankly, but yeah. made glass and made a living doing it. And so I'm really gratified. So there's a story about them on, on Moundsville.org and, and whenever people click on their business link to buy glass, I can tell. And so I'm really gratified, you know, if I can have steered any business their way, because th those guys, again, that's like just incredible perseverance and spirit. But there are a lot of stories like that in, in West Virginia and in, in Appalachia, of people who, you know, have taken a punch, but, you know, keep doing their thing. Stay, stay uh, true to their craftsmanship and, like, right. and really just yeah. appreciate it. And for the sake of, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, TJ, you just fired up the grill. You've got some chicken on there. You've got some burgers on there. What are you adding to add some extra flair? Oh, dude, I'm going with Ray's Rub 11 out of 10 times. Ray's Rub is a West Virginia all-purpose seasoning. You can throw it on chicken, steak, burgers, veggies, whatever you want. And they've got 21 mouth-watering herbs and spices. So KFC, get that, that secret blend of 11 herbs and spices out of here, dude. 21 herbs and spices packed in this great bottle of Ray's Rub. Cooper, where can people go get Ray's Rub? Two places, CJ. They can go to RaysRub.com, get themselves free shipping. They can also go to Amazon and order it and be at your house in two days. It's a West Virginia all-purpose seasoning. It's delicious. We had Brody on the podcast. He's carrying on his father's legacy by promoting Ray's Rub. It's great. Give it a try right now. Well, look, John, I mean, thank you so much. I think for, for joining, I think like, like CJ said earlier, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty neat for someone who's not from here to find it so fascinating and to really give it like a worthy and appreciative, um, nuanced storytelling, uh, ability that you have and, and showcasing that in West Virginia. So, you know, I think West Virginians are definitely grateful for that. So, um, um, if, if anybody's listening, go to, uh, moundsville.org, check all this out and also buy it, get the documentary, uh, watch it, but also stay, you know, stay in touch with these awesome blogs and whatnot that come out of here. Um, and John, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, Cooper. Thanks, CJ. Really appreciate this. Really appreciate your words because, you know, I am an outsider at the end of the day. It's still, uh, even if, you know, West Virginia reminds me of the south of Belgium where I grew up. It's very similar terrain. 
And I wish all the best for people in the state. And also, you know, there's some good journalism sort of being pioneered now. Mountain State Spotlight, it's a great nonprofit newsroom. What you guys do is great. WVU stuff is great. So yeah, I'm really, um, I am optimistic for West Virginia. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode of... Well, at this point, you should probably know the drill and what you're listening to. The Mountaineer Media Podcast, of course. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. And hey, if you're new to this community, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. We really enjoy your listen and your presence. Give us a little subscribe, too, if you want. That would be very welcome, and uh, that'd be just downright awesome. Thank you. So... Thank you to everybody that's still listening to this. We love you guys. And John, if you're still listening as well, hey man, thank you for jumping on and being honest and having a very nuanced conversation about your thoughts on not just Moundsville and really just not even West Virginia, but uh, you know, really the the country and this world at large. We uh, think that you have a great perspective and an honest take on how things really are. And kind of like we talked about in the episode, it's not so much don't react to the way that it used to be react to what it is right now and we thought that your very honest take on the situation west virginia's in was just very uh you know inspiring in a way and motivating for those of us who are really gearing up and and ready to fight for this state tooth and nail and its people because we know how valuable you know and resourceful the people of west virginia are so john thank you very much for tuning in and everybody else as always thank you we'll be back again soon make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms if you haven't i know there was still some stigma with tiktok but i'm telling you go over to tiktok check out mountaineer media we're having more fun over there than anybody else i'm telling you we're having a good old time making funny videos stirring up the pot a little bit but what else would you expect from a couple of guys from west virginia right <laughs> Uh, Can you be from West Virginia without uh, having the ability to stir up the pot and and cause some trouble? I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. So we're having a lot of fun, but we're also on all the other platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn as well. We're having fun everywhere. So make sure to check us out on social media. If you have any guest recommendations, still it's early, early, early in the year. We are trying to get some great, incredible people that we might not know about now, but come June, you know, who knows who we're going to have on the podcast. And if you have somebody in mind that needs to be on, please give us a shout out. Let us know, email us or check us out on any of those social media platforms. That's always great. So thank you guys. Let us know what you think. And as always, go West Virginia and we'll uh, we'll be back again soon. Peace.